Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And like we mentioned, Mother's Day is next week. It's going to be, uh, it's always a big deal around here. We love Mother's Day, and so it's going to be neat. So, so uh, don't, don't miss next week. Um, but this week, we're in the, the third week of our Hope Fully series that we keep kicked off Easter Sunday. Um, and it was a, a phenomenal weekend. And we've looked at this concept that life isn't fully lived if hope isn't fully embraced. That we will tend to, to live with our foot on the brake. We'll tend to, to, to just navigate things really too conservatively if we're not fully engaged with hope. And so uh, years ago, Cutie and I um, were uh, youth pastors and we went to uh, 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 youth camp and they took the youth leaders to a place called the Malibu Grand Prix. And, and they had this Grand Prix course and you just raced against the clock. That's all you did was you raced against the clock. And so um, the youth guy who had put it on had, had set this super fast time. And so he had run this course really quick. So he's like, okay, any of y'all who can beat my time, um, well, then, you know, I'll let you bring a camper to, to camp for free next year. So, man, everybody was wanting to beat his time and, and be able to bring another kid for free. And so no, none of us were able to do it, and so I, I was not able to do it. And so uh, I was like, Cutie, you know, why don't you take your turn out there? And uh, Cutie, is, she uh, um, can, can push the envelope on certain fronts, but driving is not one of those things. And so she was uh, in there, and there was a, a go-kart. Uh, go you had to wear the helmet on. They said in the straightaways, this, this go-kart would reach like 70-something miles an hour. I mean, they would, they would go. You don't get to go that far, but... Um, it, it would go, and so she's got her helmet on, and she's in there, and we are watching her navigate this course, and it was the funniest thing. Oh, she's shaking her finger at me, and, and so, and she is just moving along this course, and it was sitting there doing it, and man, and well, I loved it, because she crossed over, and her first question was, did I beat the time? Because in her seat, she was flying, man. And the rest of us were like having a soda and like check on her and have another sip and check on And so, but uh, um, as she was going through there, there was, a, was a, there was a lot of breaks. There was a lot of breaks that were happening there. And, um, and so, but it's, it's easy for us. When we're uncomfortable, especially as we're beginning in our life in Christ, is to go, you know what, I've, I've had the, the rug ripped out from me a few times. I've had some things go sideways a few times. So I'm, just, I'm not really going to go all in on this thing. And hope is something we need to go all in on. And sometimes what we think, what it feels like to us, is to just, man, we're really going after it. There's still room there's still room to, 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 to push it. There's still room to go forward. Our hope in Christ is so big and so awesome. I'm telling you, when we begin to hope fully, it, we begin to cast off all sorts of restraint, and it begins to, to change our lives. It begins to shift the way we do life in a massive, massive way. 
We looked at this passage of scripture last week that Hebrews 6.19 says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And it enters into the sanctuary behind the curtain, which, which sounds a little cryptic if, you, if you're not familiar with, with Judaism and the people he was writing to. But what he's saying there is it reaches into something that's secure. It's something that's solid. It's something that's eternal. And he's referencing the, the, the Ark of the Covenant there in the, in the Holy of Holies. And that's what he's talking about. But he says our... We, our hope is that kind of an anchor. And we need to fully grab a hold of hope. We need to fully grab a hold of it. Our youngest daughter, Pressy, is, is five years old. And, and she loves to do this thing that she calls a koala. And so if you just pick her up, she'll like, koala. And then she puts both arms, both legs. And you don't even have to hold her. She's just there. And so you can use both arms. And she's just, she's just held on. And she is not letting go. That is the picture of us grabbing a hold of hope. That we've got not just holding hands with hope, not just being in waving distance of hope, but we have grabbed both arms, both legs, and we've put our whole weight, our whole life onto hope. And that is what this looks like to have hope as an anchor for our soul. And this hope that we have in Jesus, it lets us live boldly and unafraid. Let us live boldly. A different kind of life that our, the hope in us begins to be not that we just have a little rosy outlook on life, a little optimistic view of life. But I mean, we recognize that our hope is so big and so strong that we're not set back by anything. We recognize that if there's a, if there is a, a bump in the road, it is, it is just temporary. And I'm telling you, it changes the way we do it. As soon as that begins to, hope really becomes alive in us, it begins to push out all anxiety. Hope begins to push out fear. It begins to push all of those things out. And the reason so many times we have a hard time dealing, dealing with anxiety and dealing with fear is because we're so trying to get rid of those things instead of recognize if we'll just fill our lives with hope, it will take care of the anxiety issues. It will take care of those things. We can fixate on trying to remove something, and then there's just, a, there's just a vacuum. There's a void. And then that anxiety finds its way of seeping right back in. But when we get full of hope, then I'm telling you, it begins. Hope begins to push things out, begins to push the anxiety and all of those different things, um, begins to put it, push it away. But so many times we are, we're reserved in this area of, of hope because we've just had, we've just had setbacks and we've been, we've not, we've been disappointed and, and we've disappointed ourselves where we're just like, you know what, I'll just, I'll let this kind of quietly grow within me and then maybe one day I can be bold and maybe one day I can step out because, man, I was bold once and it it kind of blew up in my face, and, and it kind of things went sideways. And I've shared this story um, before that, uh, of course, I was raised in, uh, in a godly home. I was raised in church my whole life. And when I was in an elementary school, I got really excited about uh, the things of God. And, and so I decided, you know, I wanted to, to share, the, share the gospel with um, my, my classmates and so on. I was about the fourth grade or so and had my, my little uh, Gideon New Testament and so had carried my little Gideon Bible around with me. And, and on the playground, man, I would just share Jesus with, with my classmates to the point that they're like, you know, calling me like the, the, the school preacher. 
And so well, then they would, you know, about the fourth grades when they start having boyfriends and girlfriends, well, then they'd come to me to do their weddings. And um, they're on, I'm kidding you not, they're on the playground. So we'd go meet by the parallel bars. And, uh, you know, that's a good center aisle to walk down. And, uh, and so and be able to, to go out there. And I didn't know anything, so I'd just open my Bible. I'd read some scriptures and say, okay, now you're married. And, and uh, the teachers got real upset. They thought I was making fun of, of ministry. And, and I, I got chewed out that I was not honoring marriage. And so that I was marrying these two little kids. And so I, I, was, I, I had to, to stop doing weddings at school. And so... Uh, Anyways, but there was a kid that I went to elementary school with that I was, I was not buddy-buddy with. We were not friends. We, we went to the same elementary school. We went to the same uh, junior high school there in Odessa and, and of course, f- fed into the same high school. And um, so this happened, this happened in the fourth grade. Well, all these years later, I'm, I'm in the 12th grade. I'm a, I'm a senior in high school. And had had a, a, an incredible moment, and, and I've shared this before, that the summer before my senior year, the, uh, going to church camp, um, was, was a moment that marked my life. It just, it marked, it marked my life. Um, but my, my pushback in not wanting to say yes to God is I knew me. And I knew my hang-ups, and I knew that, I, you know, I loved my core group of friends. They were not headed in that direction. And I was like, God, I, I, I'm tired of people doing the, the church camp thing. Everybody goes, and they cry at camp. And then two weeks later, nothing's different. And, and it just makes you look bad, God. And I'm just unwilling. I'm just unwilling to do that. I'm not ready to go full out and do everything I think I'm supposed to as a Christian. I, I'm not ready for that, so I'm not doing this. And so one day I'll be ready for that, and then I'll say yes to you when I'm ready to do it all. But I'm not ready for that, so I'm not going to say yes to anything right now. And I just really struggled with God on that. And finally, finally, I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm screaming up at God, and, and I'm like, God, okay, fine, sure, whatever. Yes, all right. I, I, yes, I, I, I'll, I'll fully give you me. But I'm telling you, I won't last two weeks. I won't last two weeks, God. And, and if you understand that, then that's fine. But we're just going to be honest here. And, but I'm telling you, man, something was shifted in my heart forever. And sure enough, guess what? I'm at a football game a couple of months after camp. And I'm there at this football game in Permian, and it's playing. And we're there, and up in the student section, and there's a, a play or something doesn't go quite right. And, and um, I am not living out my camp decision as I had predicted I would not um, but my heart had truly been placed in God's hands and I was still very much in process and um, anyway something goes wrong on the field and so and I, I just began to 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 cuss at the field I'm sorry Meemaw so my grandmother's here but Meemaw Meemaw I cussed I said some really naughty words Meemaw I said some bad words and, uh, and I did. And so I'm sitting there, and there's just filthy language coming out of my mouth at the field. And, and um, this guy about seven places down on the same uh, bleacher that I'm on leans up and says, Brandon Clark, is that you? Did you say that? I was like, yeah. And he's like, finally. You're, you used to be such a stinking blank, blank, holy roller. You're finally one of us. And oh my gosh, I was like, first off, I couldn't believe this guy. Remember, we didn't have conversations, but we'd gone to school together all those years. And he remembered, 
He was probably a wedding guest at one of those weddings on the playground. <laughs> and, and, and so, and he, he remembered. He remembered from the fourth grade to the twelfth grade. And, 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 it, and I was just like, ah, Lord, this was what I was talking about. God, this was what I was talking about. I didn't want to do this to you. I didn't want to do this to you. All of a sudden, the only thing that got glory was, was that I'm finally one of them. He, he saw that there's nothing left of my relationship with God, and I was finally full of, of what he thought was cool and wonderful. And man, it just cut me to the core. And then finally, then I, I graduate, and I, and I come here to, to ASU. And God begins to, to stir my heart, and, and those decisions were real. And, and I take my next step forward, and I take my next step forward, and my life is not transformed in a, in a moment. It's transformed by moments. And as most of us are transformed by moments and not in a moment. In a moment, we're heaven ready. By moments, we become earth ready. And man, and I just, as I'm sitting there and in a, having this moment, and I Feel the tension as God has wanted me to begin to live boldly. And that moment of failure comes roaring up in my mind. That the last time I began to be honest about my faith and share what I believed, it eventually led to a place of humiliation and, and whatnot. And I began to pull back. I began to feel myself pull back. And God began to give me a new perspective. He began to give me a new way of thinking. And this thing that our hope lets us live boldly. As we can be defined by where we're going and not by where we've been. We can be defined by that. We haven't arrived there, but we can be defined by where we're going. You go into the airport and that's what they want to know. Where are you going? You are defined in that moment. You are defined by where you're headed, not by where you've been. And with the kingdom of God, that is where we've been. And we can live boldly knowing we're defined by where we're going, not where we have been. He begins to transform us. Philippians, I mean, uh, Psalms uh, 42.5 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? When hope begins to seep out, we found, find our souls our mind, our will, and emotion. Remember, hope is an anchor for our soul. But our soul is now downcast. And it's, it's let go of its anchor. It says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. When we begin to find... When we begin to find ourselves downcast. When we begin to find our, our souls disturbed. The first thing we need to do is say, where's my hope level? What do I think tomorrow is going to bring? What do I think next week is going to bring? What do I think next year is going to bring? And if I'm not seeing the, the promises of God fulfilled in my life, then I'm looking at the wrong thing. I'm looking at the wrong thing. And if we'll begin to look at the promises fulfilled, I'm telling you, it'll begin to transform us. See, this is a boldness to live an unveiled life. To live an unveiled life. Let's go back and let's read that 2 Corinthians 3.12. But let's follow it up. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we're very bold. That's awesome. But it says, we are not like Moses. Now, folks, this is a big statement here. Because uh, Paul and, and to Jews, Moses was the hero. 
into, they would want to say we are like Moses. And Paul says, "Uh uh-uh, we're not. We're not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Now this, if you don't know the story, Moses spends time up on Mount Sinai with God. He's up there for 40 days, and, and God was his nourishment. He, did, he went without eating, and, and God was his nourishment in that time. And it's at that time that the, that the Ten Commandments come down from Mount Sinai, and, and God begins to speak and, and make an impartation into Moses about how he's supposed to lead the pe- people of Israel. And some really amazing things come, and him spending time directly with God, well, then it changed his physical presence, and he was, his face was glowing. His face was glowing, and so this, this Moses comes down, and his face is glowing, and he comes down into the camp, but he's now not in the presence of God anymore. And so his face begins to glow a little less, and a little less, and a little less every day. And people would look at him and try to determine his kind of glow level that day, and it made him self-conscious, and so Moses stuck a veil over his face. So at that point, men didn't wear veils. Men didn't do that. But Moses gets a veil and he puts a veil over his face to hide the fact that he is becoming less and less glorious every day. That the glory of the Lord is diminishing until finally there was nothing and then he pulls it off and he's just regular old Moses. Just looks like everyday Moses. Well, what Paul is saying is, is we have a very bold hope and we're not like Moses who took the veil and puts it on to hide that we've had a real encounter with Jesus, but maybe now it's kind of going the wrong way. See, Moses, his glory got less and less, but you and I, we have God who inhabits us. Our glory gets more and more and more. We don't have to be embarrassed about where we've been or where we're going or where we are in our moment. We don't have to say, yes, I had an experience with God, but I'm going to put a veil over. Because my today may not match what it was then. So many times we, as the children of God, we, we only want to show off in our most glorious moments. And then when we feel like, well, there's a, not as good of a day, well, let's just kind of hide that one. But he says we could live, we can live boldly, live boldly, and have not have a veil, not let our full lives be shown. He goes on to say in verse 14, he says, But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. They're like, they're not seeing it. They're not seeing Jesus there the way they should. He says, It has not been removed, but because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses' veil is when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Folks, you and I are called to live these unveiled, bold kind of life. But if we don't have our hope fully in Christ, we'll begin to draw back. And we won't live boldly. And we'll want to cover up the places in our lives that don't quite match what, what we know they're supposed to be. But here's the cool thing. is We're in transformation God's at work in us. We talked about that last week. So guess what? We can lift the veil and let God's work be shown. How many of us have watched those, those videos where they sit there and there's no words and where they start with some blank piece of paper and we just watch the pen move real fast and we sit there. One of those starts and it's like hypnotic. 
You can't look away. You know, we had one of those at one epic night with a Laura Evans painting up there. And it just started as a blank canvas, and we just watched it. And so, and, and then a phenomenal song being sung over the top of that. And it's just amazing to watch it come to life. The end result is beautiful all by itself. And that gets hung on the wall and it is showcased. But the process is a work of art as well. Why on earth would you hide the process and the work of art that you are right now just because you're not finished? Why would you hide what you are, what God's doing in your life right now? It's a testimony right now. There's a testimony being lived out in your life right now. And it's going to encourage somebody. And it's going to change somebody. And then honestly, if you'll embrace it, they'll become the hope. You know why you put a veil? Because you think you might mess it up. Or maybe God isn't really going to do this. That's why we hide it. When we know it's going to be amazing, we're like, sure, yeah, watch this. This is going to be so cool. This is going to be so cool. Back in our created to create stuff, it was like, Man, this is bold that this guy is up here doing a painting live in front of us right now. What if it looks stupid? That's what I was like. What if it looks dumb? He said one time it really did. It looked terrible. <laughs> and so he flipped it over and he was like wanting to flip it right back. You know, mm, that did not, that was not the Jesus I meant to paint. But what a bold thing to be able to just do it real time. And that's the way God has called you and I to live. You and I to live in these moments where things don't quite line up. And, and, we, and where we, we feel like we're stumbling forward instead of marching forward. And we, we just want to hide those parts. But we're called to live an unveiled kind of life. Why? Because he doesn't end there. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is... There's liberty. There's freedom that we recognize. Man, I tell you what, how liberating is it to say my, hand, my life is in God's hands? And yes, there's some stuff that doesn't quite line up with the way it should. But guess what? God's at work. And one day, one day those things are going to be shifted. It'll be moment by moment. I wish it was in a moment, but it's going to be moment by moment. And we're going to just let People be a part of this. See, our bold hope comes from knowing that God is still transforming us. He's still at work. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. With unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. This is what this looks like. It's in the middle of our problems and issues. We're still willing to have an honest conversation about the goodness of God. The goodness of God. How beautiful is that? That we don't feel like we, we, that we don't have the right to talk about how good, how good God is. Unless everything's going wrong, going good in our lives. So, so it's so sad that so many times we, when things are a mess, we don't feel like we have the right to talk about the goodness of God. Like, well, I don't see the goodness of God right there. I just watch, just watch. He's at work. He's at work. He's at work. This is with unveiled faces. Talk about contemplate 
the Lord's glory. And we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. How amazing is it that as soon as we say yes to Jesus, we're heaven ready. That's one glory. Boom, there's glory already. And then we're transformed with ever increasing glory. It just keeps getting better and it keeps getting better and it keeps getting better as we walk this out. And it comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Here's the problem is too many, too many of us contemplate the brokenness of humanity instead of the glory of the Lord. How many Christians sit around and talk about how messed up our world is today? How many? You look at a lot of stuff online, it's a bunch of Christians whining about how messed up our world is. How jacked up our world is. How, how just messed up. You know what we ought to be talking about? We ought to be talking about how good and amazing our God is. How wonderful He is. Talking about His glory because that is what transforms us. When we're contemplating the glory of the Lord, that is where the Scripture says as we contemplate His glory... We are transformed into the same glory. As we contemplate and think about his goodness, we are transformed into more and more of who we're supposed to be, into his image. But guess what? If we think about the brokenness of humanity or the brokenness of ourselves, what would we then be transformed into? The brokenness. The messed up stuff. That's what we would be transformed into. No wonder. No wonder Christians are known for being about what they hate because they contemplate what they hate we think about what we hate so no wonder we're known for what we hate no wonder we're known for what we're against instead of what we're for but if we think about what we're for and talk about what we're for and contemplate the goodness of God I'm telling you that's where we begin to be transformed into his glory John 1:14 says the Lord the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. You want to think about the glory and the goodness of God. Think about Jesus. Study Jesus. Look at Jesus. That is one way of contemplating the glory of the Lord. Psalm 19.1 says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. It says that very nature declares The glory of God. It just does. That's why so many people, when they get out alone in the woods or on a beautiful lake or or wherever, they get alone, then all of a sudden they say, man, I just feel closer to God. As you begin to contemplate the glory and the amazingness of God, think about the vastness of the universe. And all of a sudden you begin to think about the amazing God that made that. And that God loves you. And that God cares about you. All of a sudden we begin to think about how small and, and just that, that God has even been to the, to the subatomic level and understands all of that. That is absolutely amazing. Science has found that at the core of everything, that, there are these, that atoms are made of these things called quarks. And quarks are made of sound waves. Sound waves! Well, no wonder when God spoke things into existence. That the sound that left his mouth began to make things to begin to appear and to, and to, to form. And science is just now beginning in the last couple of decades to catch up with what the scriptures have said for thousands of years. 
When we begin to think about his glory and his goodness, we begin to be transformed into that. Let's look at this one more time. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and I love the way the message translation puts it. It says, all of us, nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we're transfigured. Much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. So as we begin to think about and, and ponder and talk about the glory and the goodness of God, that glory and that goodness begins to show up in our life. If Snoop Dogg was a theologian, he would say, I got my mind on his glory and his glory in my life. It's the truth. Our bottom line is God's glory on our mind develops God's glory in our lives. It just does. This is the way this works. This is why you and I have to be mindful about what's on our minds. To think about our thoughts and make sure that they're headed in a life-giving direction. Because as we contemplate the goodness and the glory of God, that glory begins to be manifest in our life. See, hope lets the life of God in us show the life of God through us. And that's why God wants us to hope fully. To hope fully, not just a little bit, not just keep it, in, keep it in the neighborhood, but to just cling on to it and grab a hold of it with everything we've got. Because hope, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we're called to live by faith. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.